our daily life. Uh, today we're going to be talking about an interesting topic which is mental health issues and um, this is something that I am incredibly passionate about because I have struggled with my own mental health issues. Um, I have had friends and family who've also struggled with them and I just really feel like people need to be empowered to um, know how to handle those kinds of situations for themselves and um, also know how to help in situations with other people. So, um, and then another topic that I'd like to talk about when we come back after the song break is um, just how to deal with chronic illness in someone else. Um, because I, my mom has been sick for about 18 years now. And um, I was just doing another podcast with uh, a good friend this morning, and we were talking a little bit about um, just kind of how it's it's very difficult to care for someone consistently uh, when they have um, a chronic illness that doesn't go away. So I would like to kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, and just some helpful things that maybe you can do if you or a loved one or a friend have um, someone that they're either, if, if they have the illness themselves or if they're helping to care for a chronically ill person. So let's go ahead and begin. So um, as a child, I really struggled with depression, but didn't really know what that was. Um, so I would write things in my journal where I would say, you know, I'm so sad about this today and I'm just sad and I don't know why. And um, a lot of times I would get these feelings of uh, dread, which is just uh, something that people with uh, generalized anxiety and um, sometimes depression have. Um, so it would feel like it, it, it's, I read this thing a little while ago where it said it feels like at the beginning of a horror film where like everything is happy and beautiful but there's this kind of weird music that's the undertone and you just know something bad is going to happen and so having generalized anxiety is kind of like that where there's nothing there's nothing wrong going on at the moment it's just there's this it's almost like this weird soundtrack in your head where you feel like something is going to happen something wrong is going to happen um and then uh, as I got a little bit older, I, um, I, there was a lot of things going on in my family where um, I, there was just a lot of trauma at the house. And when it doesn't matter how bad or big a trauma is, I think that human beings just react to trauma uh, pretty strongly. So, you know, when, if you meet a foster kid or you meet someone who's been through a lot of trauma and they just seem a little bit off, um, just keep in mind that their brain chemistry has been forever altered because of what they went through. So they're literally not the same kind of person that they would have been before the trauma. Um, so they require a little bit of patience and um, that's something that I've had to deal with myself too because sometimes I, I look at myself and I go, I'm not the same person that I was really as a kid. I'm a different person now. I process things differently and that is okay. I just have to be aware of it. I, and I can't put the pressure on myself to be who I used to be 
um, and I have to learn how to um, help myself. Um, and that's something that I'm also very passionate about. You know, you're not always going to have some shoulder to cry on. You're not always going to have someone right there with you all the time. So it's very, very important that you can take care of yourself and then you can in turn help take care of other people um, and empower people to take care of themselves. Because if we are all kind of self-sustained, we can just get so much more done. Um, and so uh, one of the things that, uh, but anyway, so I want to I want to go back from what I was talking about so um when uh it was probably when I was about uh how old was I like 20 or 21 um there was um yeah so it would have been like 19 or 20 so uh what was happening at our house was my dad who he was struggling with his own bouts of mental illness he's not been diagnosed with anything um but there's um just there's a lot of different possibilities. So um, some of the things that, you know, like um, just some of the, 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 the mental illnesses that can be around um, are things like schizophrenia, um, bipolar disorder, um, definitely depression. Um, uh, and then when you, you know, if you're going through like different types of mood swings, that can be uh, associated with a lot of different mental illnesses. So we were dealing with something that we didn't know what it was. And we still, because he doesn't, he hasn't gotten a diagnosis. I don't want to say like, this is what I think it is. Um, but it was, it was kind of somewhere in one of those categories. And um, so we were dealing with someone who was very unpredictable, um, someone who couldn't um, modulate their own moods, someone who couldn't um, really have a lot of rational thoughts about what was going on at the time, and someone who was extremely volatile uh, emotionally. So that creates an atmosphere where you walk into your home and you don't know what's going to happen. And that creates a, a heightened sense of anxiety, even if you don't already have, you know, a, an anxiety disorder um, and and to be honest like my anxiety disorder I was really able to uh, I was really able to keep it under wraps um, until a lot of this stuff started happening so we were in situations where we were on the run from my dad basically because we were we, we felt unsafe and so we would hide and we would hide in our car and this is all happening in a you know a, a, a predominantly white suburban area where it's fairly well to do so you know just because someone looks like they have it all together or they look like they wouldn't be going through trauma or they look like they wouldn't have a hard time at your, their home just never assume anything that's what I've learned um, you know my family we all look like we would be fine but we really weren't and um, so that always makes me question everything you know you just you you when you meet people make sure that you're really meeting them not your perception of them um, so a lot of things were, were happening like that where we were on the, we were a lot of times, you know, we, we would, my dad would come home from work and we would already be gone because we just didn't want to face him. Uh, you know, meal times were like, you know, whatever we could grab from the store and eat in the car. Um, uh, there was, you know, there was no set schedule for anything. Um, and my mom was incredibly ill and had a lot of, um, wounds that would bleed and things that I would have to wrap up and take care of. Um, so I would, I would like debride her wounds and like, you know, put, um, put ointment on her and, um, try to get her to a comfortable position. And we were always trying to, uh, 
she, she's been rejected by the medical community basically because of the autoimmune diseases that she has are incurable and um, they basically put her on a chemo drug and said if you take this again you will die from it even though it's suppressing your symptoms and things so there was just nothing basically we were just told by all the doctors there's nothing we can do so it's kind of like take her home to die type of a thing and uh, um, we as children didn't want that to happen so we took you know the best care of her that we could and she was very determined to stay with us which I'm very grateful for um but uh yeah so things were just really not good and then there was a night where um my dad came down the stairs and my my, my mom and I were uh, at that the, that point sleeping on the couch and our our house was um very it was very very mold infested and so that was also adding to uh her illness and things like that but um because because when when you're in depression a lot of times you can't think about uh, the world around you, you become very tunneled in. And so even if we would ask my dad, like, can we move? Or even if we would just ask him household administration questions, it was as though he didn't hear us. You know, we would get this kind of glazed over look and he would mumble and then walk away. And there was nothing that we could really do to get through to him. Um, so this is also another reason why if you struggle with depression or mental illness and you are in charge of, of, other people it's or or you know you're overseeing other people or just interacting with other people it's very very important that you don't um uh that you don't um harm them emotionally or physically you know either by something that you are doing or not doing uh, because of your depression you want to be able to manage that so that that way you can help other people um and you just really don't want to be a, a danger to anyone so um anyway so when he uh okay where was i so yeah so anyway there was there was a time there was one night in particular um where my mom and I had left the house and he was, because a lot of times my dad would be wandering around the house yelling for my mom and wanting to know where she was. And he was in a state where he was thinking that she was having an affair, even though like there was just no way possible that that, that would be able to be happening because first of all, she didn't know anybody. And second of all, she's very, very sick, like near death sick. Um, and so um, she, uh, my, I, my mom and I, I drove her up to like an empty parking lot somewhere and um, there was a kind policeman who came over and said, you know, like, hey, what's going on? And um, he sent us home and just said, you know, to make sure that we called if anything really bad happened. And um, so then my um, my dad came down and it was probably like two in the morning or something like that. And my mom and I were both sleeping on the couch because our rooms were just really moldy. We couldn't we were having a hard time um, just breathing in there and stuff. So we went uh, down to the couch and my dad came down and he whipped the covers off my mom, got real close to her face and something in me at that point just snapped. It was like I had I never had I've never felt um something like that again but I, what i recognize now is that when you have stress hormones shooting through your body it's literally something that uh it, it's a very physical thing so you know when you are when you're yelling at someone or when you're you know uh you, you know especially when you're dealing with children just make sure that you're really um careful because yes children need to learn that like the world is not always a safe or fun or kind place but you want to make sure that they do that in a way that actually strengthens them so they can handle things um, and you never want to be coming out of place where you're creating uh trauma you want to be creating strength so uh but anyway i basically sat up and said this is it i am not doing this anymore i cannot do this physically i can't do this um for the next 
three months or so, um, I was having severe anxiety attacks and panic attacks. Um, and the only way that I could describe the, 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 the first few weeks, it was, um, they were nonstop. So the only way that I can describe it is when you walk down the stairs and you miss a step, that feeling of when your stomach is dropping, that feeling lasted for days and I couldn't, um, couldn't stop it, didn't know what was going on with my body. So I, I would sit there and grit my teeth and I, what, I didn't tell anybody anything. Uh, and I was extremely, uh, extremely upset and extremely, um, it, it felt very earth shattering to me to not feel like myself. I literally was waking up and not feeling like me. I didn't feel like my personality. I felt like this just, you know, completely different um, person who had all of their nerves exposed. And um, so it was, it, it felt like I literally lost myself. Like I, I woke up and I didn't know who the heck I was. So um, my sister and I moved out and uh, we moved into a, a, a place that really, they, they were they were people who, they didn't, um, I don't think they meant to be malicious, but they had done this to other people before, where they kind of took advantage of young people who didn't know about business, didn't know about um, just kind of how uh, valuable your time is and things like that. So I ended up doing a ton of work um, for a very, very, very minimum wage. And I, I was also not feeling very well and not myself. So I was having, you know, difficulties remembering things. I was having um, a hard time sleeping. I would have nightmares all the time. Um, and I just, I, I didn't know who to turn to or how to communicate. So I started saying these things to people. Um, but at the time, my sister and I had joined this uh, church where they believed, um, and this is going to sound very crazy, and it, it was very crazy, uh, but they really believed in a lot of like um, demon possession type stuff, kind of like if you can think about TBN, TV preachers and things like that, it was very, it was very similar to that. And a lot of churches nowadays adopt this theory, which is just bogus. Um, but when you are not in your right mind, um, the only way that I can really like say why I even went along with any of this stuff is because it was basically like I was out of my mind on drugs because of the way I was chemically imbalanced. Like I did not feel like myself. Um, I was a completely different person. Even my sister said that to me. She said, you were not yourself. You were not the same person that you are right now. And I I feel like after this whole experience, my, my brain chemistry has fundamentally changed and perhaps my personality a little bit has fundamentally changed, but I like who I am now. But during that time, it was very, uh, it was just very frightening. And so, I mean, I went to every service they had. I went to, you know, like anytime anybody wanted to pray for me, I'd be like, sure. Um, because I was desperate to get rid of whatever the heck was going on with me. And um, so I, uh, after about six months of this continuing, I had two car accidents. And one was because I just could not... Um, one was because I, I think I, I reached down and like I was looking at my phone or something, but I wasn't, I, I was not very with it. I was not with it. And then the second one, I literally like, I was so exhausted and tired from, from all that my body was going through and trying to deal with everything mentally that, um, I pretty much blacked out and then hit the car in front of me. And, um, so after that, my, my mom 
who, I mean, she was not feeling well at all either. But my mom was doing, uh, was had enough wherewithal to say, you need to stop. Like, you need to, you, you can't work right now. You need to just come home. You need to stop. And um, so I, uh, I did. And um, I actually, like, I was so bad that I really had to have, like, my my parents come in and say like she's not working anymore she's not doing any of this anymore because I was just I was like I was beside I was beside myself and I really couldn't help myself and it's a very embarrassing thing because I'm a pretty I'm a pretty strong independent uh person who likes to be able to do things on her own um but that that was a situation where I really needed some serious help and so what I would say right now is if you're going through some kind of um mental illness episode and you can't pull yourself out of it please for you know for the love of god please let people help you because your life can get back on track but you have to have sane people who are um able to love you and able to tell you when you're doing something that's way off the rails and able to get you back to a place where you're mostly yourself again but you have to be able and willing to listen to other people um and it's become incredibly important for me over the years to have people who are close to me who can tell me, you know, Ashley, you're not, you're not being yourself or like, you know, um, like that idea is not, you know, that, that idea like isn't a good thing for you to go after right now. You're not strong enough for that or um, just different things like that. So um, people who you can bounce things off of. Um, and uh, so, yeah, after, after all that, um, I came home. Um, I had been, I was, I I was sort of in a relationship with someone at the time from that church and he totally, you know, rejected me and everything. And so I was just left rock bottom. Like I had, I, I felt like I had nothing and no one except for my family. And I wasn't, I was in a very paranoid state. So I wasn't even sure if I could trust my family. I was just, it was the worst, worst of the worst of the worst feelings ever in the whole wide world. Um, and so during this time, though, when I started kind of healing myself, I started researching a lot of um, mental illness because I felt like this is something in my brain. This is not something in me. There was a time where I was um, I was sitting in on the bathroom floor in my little uh, apartment, and I felt as though I had shrunk so small that I could fit underneath the the um the door like the the little space where the the door meets the floor and I thought that is not a normal thing to feel and I don't know what the heck is going on and then the next morning when I woke up I felt like a blank slate like I had no emotions couldn't even remember what an emotion was and I panicked because I like my emotions are very deep with me and um so I was incredibly upset and I felt like what the heck is going on so when I moved back into my um, parents place I thought okay well so I don't feel like that's me I feel like that's something that's having happening happening with my brain um, but I don't know how the heck to fix it so I started researching things and um, I pretty much self-diagnosed myself. Um, I really don't believe in going to the doctors because all they do is give you a bunch of, you know, prescription drugs that usually have more bad side effects than, than good effects. So, um, but anyway, I researched, um, a lot of different things and kind of found out that I probably had bipolar too. So that's just what I go with and that's how I treat it. Um, and it's worked so far. So, um, what happens with bipolar two is you get these swings of, 
um, depressive times where you you know absolutely go into your depression where you just feel really low um very low energy you feel like you could sleep all the time um nothing that that used to give you joy gives you any joy anymore um and little tasks become very difficult you have a hard time remembering things um and you just kind of i mean honestly you just kind of feel like you want to die you're like i just feel gray and blank and i just want to be gone um and then it swings to the manic phase where you feel like you can do anything and you feel like if someone told me to jump off this building and fly, I could do it. Um, and so you have like heightened, um, you have a lot of heightened senses. You have a lot of uh, a lot of energy, a lot of artistic or creative or organizational energy, um, and you feel incredibly invincible. Um, and during that time, you also have memory issues too. So your mind is racing. You start talking very, very quickly. Um, that is one of the reasons why I like to uh, keep recordings of myself and things like that because I can track, am I talking too quickly here? You know, what's happening What's happening with me right now? Um, you know, do I need to start treating myself, you know, in, in a way that's going to get me back to kind of my stasis where I'm, where I'm happy and I'm myself. Um, so... We, uh, or, uh, and I was very much alone in treating this because I didn't really know, um, who else was really going to be able to understand that or, 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 you know, or help with that. Um, my mom did a really great job though of coming alongside me and understanding that it was brain chemistry and giving me really good supplements. So really it was me and my mom and my mom didn't really understand the, um, the bipolar thing until much later when I told her, uh, big, and it, even then she was kind of like, oh, I don't know about that, Ashley. But then as she, you know, kind of started observing my behavior, she said, oh yeah, that, that does line up with you. Um, but it's very important to me not to say, cause I think sometimes when people have an illness, they say, I am this and I am not my, I am not my bipolar. Like I am not, you know, any, any more than someone is their game leg or is their uh, broken arm. You know, it's just something that you have that you have to manage, um, but not managing it creates more issues than, um, than it would otherwise be there. So it's very important for someone with mental health issues to recognize what they have and then to start a treatment plan because that way you can really start enjoying your life. Um, and I feel like I enjoy my life so much more now. I really appreciate my good days and they're, they're, I have way more good days than bad days now. I definitely have my little my little phases that I go through, but they're so much smaller and so much more manageable because I'm treating them. So I just want to encourage people, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so some of the biggest things that have helped me um, is keep a really good sleep schedule. Try as much as you can to guard your sleep because once your sleep schedule starts getting off, a lot of other things start to go because you start getting more stressed just naturally. The cortisol builds up in your body. You're not able to think as clearly. You you might make you know some rash decisions, which increase the risk for you to go into a mood swing. Um, so guard, guard, guard your sleep. Um, second of all, eat anti-inflammatory foods and really, really, really guard your food. Um, your food is your mood. It really, truly is. So you really need to be able to guard that. Um, the, the third thing that I would say is get people around you who will be supportive of you. Um, not people who will baby you because I, I honestly really don't believe in people babying someone with an illness. I think that support 
coming alongside and empowerment are the biggest things that you can give a person. If you baby them, you're literally crippling them. You need They need to be able to, as much as they can, stand on their own. Now, there are certain people who are always going to need way, 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 way more help than others, and I'm not talking about those people um, because they can't help it. And there, there might be times when you can't help it and you just really need someone to come alongside you and carry you for a while, and that's okay. Um, you know, that's part of being a human being. Um, we all go through times, whether we're young or we're old, when, when we will need to almost fully depend on other people. And it's humiliating and embarrassing, but it's, it's an important part of the human journey. So having that, um, um, having said that, I just feel, you know, very strongly about having a good support team, someone who can check in with you, people who, um, you know, are, you know, not maybe nitpicking every little thing you do, but, you know, checking in on you and, hey, are you taking your supplements? Hey, are you, uh, you know, are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? And just being a general support to say, hey, you know, we're here, we're here for you if you need anything. Um, and then the other thing is to know how to make yourself feel secure and how to make yourself feel better. Because uh, like I said before, there's not always going to be somebody there for you. So, you know, things like, um, and these, these are things that I'm still practicing. No one's ever going to get it perfectly right 100% of the time. Um, but these are things that you can practice so that you do feel empowered. So when you, when you come up with, you know, when you come up against a panic attack or something, saying to yourself, this is not me, this, this will pass. I've been through this before and I have survived and know that it is a panic attack. It's not, you're not going to die. It does feel like you're going to die, but you're not, you're just fine. And so telling yourself that and having the knowledge of what it is, that alone relieves some of the, the pressure from you because you feel like, okay, I'm in control, even though it feels like I'm not in control. Um, practicing your breathing. I am very, very bad at this because um, I don't, I just don't like to breathe for whatever reason. So, but, but it is very important to get a good breath of air in you when you're having a panic attack or if someone else around you is having a panic attack, it's very important that they do breathe because um, the, when you, when you have compressed lungs and you're, you're breathing very shallow, you're not getting enough oxygen and that's just going to create more, um, it, it's going to create more of the sensation of like, you're going to pass out, which causes more panic. Um, and it also makes the room feel like it's really shrinking down on you and that you're literally being compressed to death. So make sure that they get a good breath of air or that you get a good breath of air. Um, and then the other thing is if someone, um, if you're, if you're going through a state where you feel like I'm invincible or, um, or, or very, very depressed, um, sometimes the best thing to do is just allow yourself to take a break, to stay home and um, be doing things for your health. So making sure that you know, you like get a healthy smoothie or a healthy meal, um, you know, doing small things that if you have a lot of manic energy, one of the things that I recommend is um, organizing or doing a project because that, that's directing your energy towards something that's good. And if you're kind of in that depressive mood, um, you know, allow yourself to sit with it for a little bit, but then, you know, take a shower, put on a good outfit, um, just do those small things that are going to visually and, um, uh, you know, spatially make you feel a little bit better. Um, you know, use essential oils um, for uh, for mood. That really helps me a lot. That's just, it's a suggestion, but I, I would try that if I were you. Um, and um, yeah, but make, but make sure that you don't give in to things like um, eating really bad food or using substances because all that's going to do is going to pull you down further into this rat hole where you're just kind of spinning your wheels. Um, so yes, we will go ahead and take a quick song break. And then when we come back, we're just going to chat a couple minutes about how to deal with people when they are going through chronic illness. 
All right, so we are back, and um, just really quick for the last couple minutes, I wanted to talk to you guys about how to help either a loved one or a friend of a loved one who is going through chronic illness. So, um, having dealt with my mom for 17, almost, well, really 18 years now, um, one of the things that I can tell you is just the power of your presence is incredible. You, when someone has a chronic illness, there's no easy answer. There's no quick fix. Um, there's a lot of times there's no medication or surgery or anything that's going to eradicate the problem. It's going to be there and they're not going to die from it. And that's the hard part because your your loved one is probably going to at some point want to die. Um, my mom has seriously considered physician assisted suicide before um, and that was a horrible moment for our family but, and I'm glad she didn't do it, um, but it is very, very, very difficult for them to keep existing. Um, I just recently watched the movie Breathe um, with Andrew Garfield in it, and it was a very good movie that the family did an incredible job supporting this man who had, um, he was uh, a quadriplegic, um, and he had a very full life because of his spirit and um, what he had chosen to do. But um, it was very, it, it can be very trying for both of you. It will be trying for both of you. Um, and so when you're, when, when someone is going through a chronic illness, be present with them. Um, and do, do little things for them, you know, like you don't underestimate the power of just like fluffing up a pillow or getting them a blanket or making sure they have water or a good movie on, um, those kinds of small things that just let them know that, you know, you're there and that you are trying your best to take care of them is incredibly important. Um, the other thing too is it's very hard and it depends on their personality type. Um, but, you know, ask them, when you ask them how, you're do, how they're doing, don't put the, this expectation of, oh, how are you doing today? Are you better now? Um, because they're not going to get any better. And that reminder can feel to them like this, um, it can feel like this expectation. And my mom used to say that to me all the time. She, I would say, you know, how, how are you doing today, Mama? And she would say, I feel like you're expecting me to get better. And I was crushed because I really wasn't. I was like, you know, I was just asking you how you are. But communicating to each other that you're not expecting them to get better. Um, and sometimes I just ask, you know, how's, how's the pain today? Because the truth is the pain is always there. Uh, and so, and from there we can kind of go, oh, you know, well, it's a, it's less of a pain day. It's, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's a pretty good day. Maybe I'll get out today or, oh, this is a really bad day. Okay. Well, what movie do we want to watch? Or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and it's hard as someone who is healthy because you want that person, you want so badly for them to just feel okay. And they're not going to feel okay. And you both have to sit with that. And it's, it's very, very difficult. But um, stay, you know, stay present with them. And the other thing is for you, if you're a caretaker, um, you know, find other people that you can talk to about the situation besides the person who's sick. Because the person who's sick honestly just needs to be protected from your feelings for it. This was very hard because, you know, I, I lost my mom. And I've, you know, I, I love, like, I love being able to talk to my mom. I think most people do just about, you know, life in general and things like that. But when it came to talking to my mom about my mom, I couldn't do that. And um, so, and I did not have a good support system 
pretty much all the way until now. Um, and now I have quite a few people in my community who understand and know about how to take care of other people, um, mostly because they're, they're elderly and they deal with other elderly people. Um, but it's very similar. And um, so that has meant the world to me. And just people and, and friends who, you know, maybe you can't, maybe you can't understand or you haven't been in that situation but staying present with the caretaker is is uh, that also feels really good too because you just feel like you're a little bit less alone and you at least have something or someone to vent your thoughts to uh, because you can't do that to the sick person you know you can't say I'm so frustrated with this right now and like I don't want to do this right now and I don't I don't want to I don't want to be changing this bandage again I don't want to be um you know uh I don't want to you know have to you know do this this food prep again I don't want to have to go to another doctor's appointment I don't want to have to order more supplements I don't want to you know I just you know and I don't want to watch you sitting in pain um but you're you're going to have to and I think the thing is just don't give up and also give yourself the freedom to feel those feelings without feeling um super guilty but don't allow yourself to like run with those feelings you know it just let them come and you're going to feel some days like you don't want to do it but then remember, you know, the person who's suffering in the bed or the chair or whatever it is, um, they're, they're having it the worst. And so just do, you know, just do small things. It's always small things. Just little tiny rays of sunshine to make their lives a little bit better. And, you know, I, I don't always do that perfectly. Sometimes I get overwhelmed. Um, but just staying present, do the small things. Um, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. This was kind of a, this was kind of a downer podcast. I'm sorry, everyone, but it's just something that I'm very passionate about because of the way my life has been and because of, um, the, the suffering that I've seen and the poor ways that I've seen people deal with it. Um, so if you have someone who is, you know, chronically ill in your life or you know someone who takes care of someone who's chronically ill, just let them know that you're present with them. And then real quick, I have a poem that I made um, about this kind of a situation. And so I'm going to read this to you guys really quick. All right, so this poem is called Be Here. And it's really more of a piece of prose, but I'll go ahead and read it for you. So it says, Be Here. Be Here with me. I know it's all overwhelming and you don't know what to say or what to do, but you don't have to fix everything. I'm not asking you to wipe all my tears. I cry too much for that. I'm not asking you to hold my hand through everything because I can be strong alone. What I'm asking you is to be here with me, right here in your heart, here with me. I know that you are just, I, I want to know that you are just there, that your face won't change or disappear. I need to know that you are the same and that you are for me and that even if you can't fix things, you will be right here through the mess. I know my pain is hard to watch. I know you wish I was happier and healthier and that things were all roses for me, but they're not, and you could never make them so. Be strong enough to watch me suffer. You have no idea how the sound of your voice anchors me when I'm drowning at sea. So it's just important to remember, if you ever go through a time when, you know, someone that you, that you love is chronically ill or, um, you know, if you face that with a parent or, you know, relative or, or whatever, just be there with them in their space and don't avoid the suffering avoiding the suffering it just brings more pain to that person's heart um so you know i've i've learned so much through walking on that journey with my mom and honest to god i'm still you know i'm still learning and still sometimes not doing things perfectly all the time not doing things perfectly but um that's just one of the things that i've really learned be present with them and be strong enough to watch them through their suffering so 
Next week, we're going to be talking about a much lighter topic. I don't know what it will be yet, but we'll talk about something lighter. Um, but this is part of the daily life. You know, pain is a part of the daily life. And how do we manage it? How do we um, overcome it? And how do we live with it? So um, thank you guys for joining me on this, our daily life. And remember, it's the daily life unfolding the story every day that we live our lives. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.